0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, many of us missed the company of our friends, family and work colleagues. As we went from lockdown to more relaxed restrictions, most of us have still been cautious, We're staying at home more, seeing friends less. This is even more true for our newest, most vulnerable parents at home with babies and small children. But even before the pandemic, we were on a pathway to loneliness. That's according to a recent book by author and researcher, Maggie Hamilton, called When We Become Strangers, How Loneliness Leaks Into Our Lives and What We Can Do About It. Hi, Maggie. How are you?
1: Hi, Siobhan. Lovely to be with you.
0: How do you measure loneliness? I mean, why did you feel this was a story that needed to be investigated?
1: Look, I'm a really curious person. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how, you know, talking about the fragmentation of communities and families. And I'm always a little uncomfortable with those kind of broad statements because I kind of, I'm always interested in what they mean and what they mean for us under our skin. And that's what I like to do in my research is get under the skin of and really tap the life experience um, because that's where not only do we see kind of where we're tripping ourselves up, but the solutions are often very obvious as a result.
0: I had a really great bunch of friends in my mother's group. We were really close. Lovely. Um and I had family who had small children, so I had quite a good support network. Yet I still felt really disconnected and I would say very lonely when my children were small. Yes. Why why would that be? I was certainly not alone, but I definitely felt quite lonely at times.
1: Look, there's a whole range of reasons. I think now, Siobhan, we, we have working mothers and I certainly applaud that. We have this very busy full-on life which is very different from parenting and suddenly overnight that stops and what's happened to our communities is that often they empty during the day because everybody else is zooming off to work and so therefore you know as as a young mother it's that thing of well where are the people, you know, who can kind of, where's my nurture coming from? So, and it's also that thing, I think, that we don't, because we don't grow up in tight communities like villages and, and, you know, in the very old times, we don't get to learn a lot of the nuances of what we have to do next in life from observing those around us and helping those around us. And also, we don't value motherhood enough, I think, and mm-hmm. I think all those come together often families of course, live overseas or in different cities, and all that comes together to create a sense of feeling look i'm i'm on I'm on my own with this in the meaningful moments because we can be still surrounded by people in situations. But unless we feel a meaningful connection, it's not feeding who we are.
0: I think what you described there just took me straight back to when I had the kids and when you said that, you know, that everywhere feels empty of people when you're out um, going for a walk with your baby. I felt very disconnected from um, time in a way and reality in a way. I felt like I'm existing in this bubble where I'm not really
1: interacting with a lot of people. No, no. And then, of course, you've got COVID, which is kind of, it's a double whammy. And I think part of the solution for us is to grow our community and village. And um, this often happens through, you know, chance conversations or just even saying hello and catching up for a cup of coffee. and. I think one of the reasons we don't do this, I think this is shyness has descended. I think another reason is because so much of what we see is styled, you know, in terms of having people over in the perfect whatever. Mm. And what I think we need to get back to is simplicity, spontaneity and imperfection to allow something to be messily, You know, so that if suddenly you decide on an impromptu picnic with a couple of other mothers, you're not trying to bake the most perfect quiche, that you will not feel embarrassed for getting it from the supermarket. Because what is important in that moment is connecting and we need to nourish our parents because you are, you have our next generation in your hands.
0: The other weekend we went to visit a friend of mine. We we've recently moved to a new suburb, and she lives yes. lives literally around the corner. And she was talking about this suburb and how much she loved it because there was, you know, there all the parents were friends, and they the yes. kids walked to school together, walked home from school together. And to me, that sounds like nirvana because I've yes. been living in a city space where. We know our neighbours, but the kids go to different schools and we don't rely on each other that way. No, no. And when she spoke about this community, I felt like she was talking about the community I grew up in, in the 80s, in suburbia. Um, Have we got less spaces like that today than we
1: did, say, 20 years ago? i think I think it's it is to do with spaces, but I think it's also about how we inhabit them and i've I've looked at this in in the book because I actually think this is one of the missing links is that we have to create intimate space around us, and we can do this in city dwellings, but we have to do it in a way. Where, if you are sitting in a cafe with a little one or two little ones, that you can feel engaged in the life around you because you don't always sometimes we want to be enfolded, but we don't want to personally engage because we don't have the energy um and it's little things like you know getting to know the shopkeepers and encouraging our children to do this from very small so that we're actually helping them start to build community and I think one of the problems, Siobhan, is everybody is waiting for everybody else to kind of open up because we've become so, um, we guard our space so carefully because we don't, you know, the crazy lives we lead, we don't have a lot of space. But I think we've got to start to push back from that. And, you know, things like the family barbecues and the street barbecues um impromptu picnics, the so camping weekends with friends, all those fairly informal ways of getting together really feed us. And I think parents have a much bigger job today because now they're aware of the emotional lives of their children, um, which previous parents weren't. And so now parents are incredibly sensitive, good parents to the emotional moods of their children and that if we're not careful can tip into feeling we have to keep the kids happy all the time and Mm. so the parent becomes the entertainer (laughs) you know know that I'm just
0: coming to the (laughs) the end of school holidays here so this is resonating very strongly with me just to change tack uh, because you do cover a lot of different topics in this book but one of the things new parents love to do is to post their kids, uh, pictures of their kids online yes, yes. Uh, because you think they're the most gorgeous thing in the world and, of course, they are Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, what kind of impact does that have on our child's future? Look, this was
1: a huge surprise to me, Siobhan, when I looked at this because, um, you know, what experts are now finding in the internet space and also, the, you know, psychologists and others and also lawyers, interesting as, as well, is that if we are big at posting what the kids are doing online, what we're doing without realising it is we are creating a very detailed digital imprint of our child which will stay with them through life. But equally importantly when that child gets to eight or nine and kind of understands that, you know, at three, you know, you see backyard, whatever, and, you know, they spilt beetroot all over their dress and, you know, there's comments and all that stuff, is they suddenly realise there is nothing of their story to tell. So we have to be very, very aware of this as parents. And what I've since learned thinking about this more deeply is that we tend to post when we are feeling vulnerable often mm. that need to kind of connect with the world and so I, I guess what I would say to parents is be aware of those vulnerable moments and you know we've we all text now in fact we're not using words we're using emoji so our communications are shrinking shrinking is just to get on the phone and have a chat to somebody we love. And it doesn't have to be a long conversation. To have those little rituals where we have coffee with somebody um, and it might be around the kitchen table or, you know, the walk in the park with the children. We need those little rituals to feed us, but we have to be so careful about posting online, not just because of predators, but we cannot tell the whole of our child's story if we want them to emerge in the world and feel like they've got something to say.
0: When you say posting at vulnerable moments, do you mean that the vulnerable moment impacts what we post or that um, we're just feeling like we need to connect with another human?
1: I think it's both, actually. I, I, I don't say that I think it's necessarily both at the same time, but sometimes it is, look, I just have to connect with somebody else or I'm going to go mad, or... It's that feeling that you need to you know you you have something joyous and you just it just becomes an automatic thing to do, so I think we've got to be really careful with that for these reasons, and the other aspect of story, which really has been quite. Um, eye-opening for me is that our decors now are very minimalist and there's lots of good reasons for that but what it's also creating is a loss of story so you don't have auntie Things vase sitting you know somewhere and you know the old family photos and what have you so what's happening to children from very young is they are not getting the stories of where they have emerged from And this is really powerful. I mean, Freud said eons back that, you know, we can never know ourselves until we know our story and not just the good stuff, but, you know, the fact that somebody had a sad life because of the choices they made. These things start to weave for our little ones a context other than Bob the Builder, Thomas the Tank and all those things that have a way and then, of course, later on the twin celebrities and then adult celebrities that tend to hijack the personal story, if you see what Mm. I mean. And I'm not saying, you know, of course the children, you want them to enjoy things like Bob the Builder. Of course we do. But we have to be so careful that these very powerful stories that are injected into the family and the home Don't hijack that very delicate, nuanced fabric of the family. Going back to phones
0: and sharenting. Yes. Parents, and I put my hand up here, have a very strong connection to their phones. Having the mini computer in your hand, particularly when you're organising a million things, (laughs) when you have small children, it, it is often not far from reach. Yeah. Why is it important for parents to completely put their phones away at certain times when they're with their kids? Look,
1: it is because it's about the depth of connection. So, it's things like eating together, not having the phone there. You know, if you're in the park to actually and you know I know I do get the exhaustion etc. of of parenting but to actually engage because in in those moments because there is a lot being communicated when we are are communicating face-to-face with each other a lot of you know micro emotions, body language and so we're really teaching our children how to read this and it's not just mum and dad's devices, it's actually the children's devices because what's happening now is our children if they're not outside, you know we live in a wonderful country where we can take the kids to the beach or have a walk in the bush but Often when they're at home, they are on devices. And what's now happening is they are finding it very hard as they get a bit older to connect face to face. They find it very hard to start up an impromptu conversation. And this is having real problems in the workplace. Um, It's also having lots of problems with uh, personal relationships at uni. We're finding that kids now are having, and at school, are having to have a lot more pastoral care. So we need to get that communication thing happening very strongly because it's part of understanding where we sit in our family at any point in time and where we sit in the wider community and in, in life.
0: You write in your book about IGen. So these yes. are the the kids that, you know, like you were saying, the ones at uni and yeah. and high school, the first ones to grow up with yes. so much, so many screens and social media. Yes. Um, and I have read a lot about the dis- like what impact this has had and how they can be disconnected and yeah. more isolated. Yeah. Do you have a sense of what life will be like for kids growing up right now? Because oh, I mean, obviously, I have vested interest because my children are part of that generation. Yes. But I'd like to think that each parenting generation learns from the last. And we are hearing a lot about iGen and millennials and how so much disconnection
1: has impacted on their lives. Yes. Do you yeah. have
0: any ideas about what's going on I, today? I, for I do, children?
1: Siobhan. So the new generation is the alpha generation and they are up to age eight. So uh, I, gen just um, are like eight to 23, 24, 25 now. And I think what happens with every generation, we react against the less than ideal aspects of the previous generation. And I think with COVID, that is also going to be a gift because it's given us time to think about why um, connection is important and how we're going to do it differently. And I think we will pull back from that uh, you know child in the bedroom and and we need to because a recent british study actually found and i mean this was the uk i know that small children were spending less time outside than adult prisoners which is scary wow so yes. you know and but i also think it's to do with the parenting and i think your generation of parents you know you are very connected to your children and I think the pressures of achieving material this that and the other I think with COVID I think there is going to be a real recalibration and and so that when we get together it's so joyous that as I say it's not about being perfect it's about getting together and it doesn't have to be the fabulous dinner party when the kids are being put to bed. But it can be the, <laughs> can be the potluck dinner where everybody brings
0: a plate. Well, it sounds wonderful and it is a beautiful book, Maggie. Thank, Thank you so you. much for speaking with us today.
1: Thank you, Siobhan. It was a real pleasure.
0: That's Maggie Hamilton. She's a researcher and author of When We Become Strangers. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at parentbrand.com.au. See you next time.